Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly update for the week ending 2nd of June 2023. As our regular readers and listeners will know, we read a huge amount of green and net zero related reports on the Green Edge. In fact, so much so that we've recently been described thus. The Green Edge was launched in 2021 to collate, review and synthesise the fast-expanding array of green workforce and skills reports emerging from across the UK economy and internationally. It has since become a comprehensive and up-to-date source for green jobs and skills-related publications in the UK. Well, back then, that's not necessarily what we set out to do, but it has kind of worked out that way. So we'll take the accolade with thanks. And this week, we've taken our self-appointed task a little further and uploaded our stack of correlated reports as a searchable list onto the Green Edge data portal, which we will, of course, update as we go forward. Nothing like a bit of house tidying, as my old mum used to say, bless her soul. Now, you'll find the link to the data portal in this week's post, but the post itself is a short one because it came out on 1st of June, and the first of the month is when we publish our monthly reports roundup, and we didn't want to inundate you with too many words all in one day. But in this podcast, we're going to talk about a couple of new publications that will appear in next month's roundup, but which we think are important enough to talk about here in their own right. I'm referring to two new briefings that have come out under the umbrella of the Climate Change Committee. The first is CCC's own analysis of the potential impacts of net zero for Britain's workforce. And the second is a briefing from an expert advisory group convened by the CCC to examine how well the current education system is set up to deliver a net zero workforce. And Michael, these are important publications from the CCC. They are. I see them as adding yet further momentum to the whole net zero debate around skills and workforce. Its timing is good because it's a good set of inputs to the thinking of the Green Jobs Delivery Group and the government's formal response to the net zero workforce plan, which is due probably second quarter 2024. Though you get the impression from these two documents that they'd like to see that government workforce plan for net zero come a little bit earlier than the second quarter. Now, I think it's important to point out that while these two documents do make some recommendations, these are analytical briefs and they don't at this stage make formal recommendations to government. You're right, that is true. Their recommendations, though, any wise government would see them as being rather pointed ones and therefore could constitute quite useful recommendations and pointers for thoughts that the government would be wise to actually take on board. Anyway, let's take a look in particular at the second of these two publications called Skills and Net Zero and written by Professor Dave Ray. Now, Professor Ray has the chair of Carbon Management and Education at the University of Edinburgh and has a whole host of other internal and external roles, including a former role in the Green Jobs Task Force. And we know Dave quite well, Michael. We do. Dave is also the director of the Edinburgh Climate Change Institute. And of course, he's one of those trios because the institute started with Martin Seeger, who went on to Imperial, now to Exeter. It was followed by Andy Kerr, who now is the chief strategy officer of the Climate Kick, pan-European body. And now we have Dave Ray. I say those three names together. It's really important that you see these mother institutions cooking and creating very talented people who are driving forward the education skills agenda on many platforms and in many areas. So yes, we know Dave well, and his institute is based in high school yards. My PhD office was in high school yards, 
which also used to have a Van de Graaff generator in the back garden, a very, very large one. And also the resurrectionists, Burke and Hare, used to park their bodies around the back end of this building, if you go back a few hundred years as well. Oh, I can remember Van de Graaff generator. Now, Professor Ray's briefing is quite succinct, and it talks about net zero properties for the workforce, the education and skills context, and the net zero skills system as it stands today within the UK and its devolved administrations. It does make some recommendations, as we said, and we can be pretty sure that these will be formalised over time. And I think it's worth us looking, Michael, at some of the seven priority recommendations right at the head of the report. Let's start with further education. I'm pretty sure we'd agree with Professor Array when he writes this, the importance of further education colleges is difficult to overstate. They are at the heart of UK skills provision for the transition to net zero at local and regional levels, as well as underpinning the skills and workforce needs of key economic sectors such as construction, energy and transport. Well, the report's recommendation is that government should urgently review its support to the further education sector and provide investment commensurate with meeting national, local and sectoral skills needs for the net zero transition. Agree with that, Michael? Very much so. I think we learned from our conversation with the City of Portsmouth College that if you want to have real activity and drive demand, you need funding flowing through the FE sector and you need some statutory stroke mandatory component to the training that's taking place. So that really does drive demand and force people to go through it. If that follows from this, that would be excellent to see. We know, though, from the LSIP process, colleges are working together in groups and therefore forming area-based responses. And we can come on to that part of his recommendations later. Okay, now you mentioned the City of Portsmouth College there, and just looking ahead to next week on the Green Edge, we'll be posting on the new Net Zero Training Hub at the City of Portsmouth Further Education College. So it'll be interesting to consider that recommendation in light of what we found when we talked to them. Michael, let's move on to schools. The report's recommendation there is that government should provide additional support to those schools and listeners least able to engage with Net Zero. You've got some first-hand experience in what might be needed there, I think. Yes, I was intrigued by this recommendation because there are several components to it. One is the school itself engaging in net zero, and it's a state, and we have a lot of schools, 30,000 of them, and therefore consume quite a bit of energy. Yes, there's engagement as regards the curriculum, and therefore making that more net zero and getting into individual subjects. And also we have the students themselves engaging as individuals as a part of their core curriculum and wider extended curriculum in net zero activities. And I think all three of those are happening at a pace, but by gum, it could be speeded up with a little bit more help and funding from government. Well, next up is the university system. And the briefing makes a number of good points about how, compared to further education and schools, much of the governmental policy relating to net zero skills provision is either very high level or is indirect. It talks about how some of the sector's self-organised bodies like Universities UK, which represents 140 or so universities across the four nations, tends to talk the talk but doesn't necessarily walk the walk when it comes to providing the skills and learning needed for the net zero transition. 
And the report's recommendation here is that all universities should update their strategic plans to address net zero skills and lifelong learning provision. I thought this was quite, again, an interesting one because universities have freedom to act and to respond in terms of creating undergraduate, postgraduate programs, short courses, and to a lesser extent, research programs off their own back because they've got their own ability to do that and to oversee these things. And we've certainly witnessed a rapid growth of degree programmes around sustainability and environment on a large scale across the UK. There are 120, 130 degree programmes there. So at one level, they have responded in terms of creating programmes. Now, do these programmes equip those students with the relevant skill sets to help move forward net zero? Question mark. We don't have a measure of that. I haven't seen many measures of that. And certainly if you go into the hardcore STEM subjects, engineering and the basic sciences, certainly you'll find net zero included in that. So I would like to see some numbers around some of these comments and recommendations to see what is actually being said. And I totally agree. It would be great for universities to make self-declarations around these things or what they are actually doing for students as opposed to around their estate and them as organisations. True, they can be a bit opaque at times. Anyway, those are the key recommendations for mainstream education, but the report also considers the wider skills and learning system, like internal apprenticeships, in-house training by employers, and independent providers. It makes a good point, we think, when it says that even with better support, mainstream education is simply not going to be able to fully cater for the demands posed by the net zero transition, and it recommends that dedicated funding should be provided by government for area-based net zero skills assessments in every region of the UK. This fits very well with the local skills improvement plans that have just been delivered as of yesterday to the Department for Education. Some of them have started this process off already. We've dealt with a number of them over the past few months. And certainly in one case, they did a very deep dive, this is Surrey, into the whole green net zero area, looking at not just current demand, but future demand to help them really work out their own local ability to provide education and training to meet that emerging local demand and quickly respond to things locally. So I think it's a good idea and I'd like to see the LSIP process merged with that. Now, the report goes on to make recommendations for low carbon electricity generation and contracts for difference incorporating the needs for skills and for the CCC itself to embed skills assessment in its advice to government. But we think one recommendation right at the end of the report is worth a closer look. This one is about talent attraction and retention, and it recommends that governments, together with the Migration Advisory Committee, should take a close look at the international perspective of the net zero workforce. Yes, we're talking about immigration, and this brings in a whole host of considerations around education capacity, how to manage the shortfall, just transition and the safeguarding of source nations, as well as, of course, keeping up with countries like Germany, which is already soaking up smart young Indian technicians like nobody's business for its solar economy. Something for us to ponder more about on the green edge and perhaps read another report or two. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.